Hey, and welcome to Untold Creations. I'm your host, Izzy Ryder, and this podcast is about untold stories with creatives I know. Specifically, this series is about making decisions and following your gut. Whether you're a freelancer in a nine-to-five routine or a bit of both, I'm asking my guests about how they make decisions, break down barriers, and generally dive into their impressive and captivating lives to share with you. I hope you enjoy our stories on Untold Creations. So it's the third episode of Untold Creations with your host, Izzy Ryder. I'm currently in Berlin and I'm sat in uh, Dan, my really, really special friend's house. We call it the hospital. And I can't even pronounce where where it is. I've been to Berlin like eight times and still cannot function in German or even know (laughs) where I am. Could you please tell the audience where you live? (laughs) Put me on the spot. Uh, In free design. Free design. Okay. Free design. I come kind of twice a year. I have done in the past four or five years. And uh, Dan has always been someone that I come and gravitate towards when I'm in this city. He's been here about four years, but actually we became really, really good friends in London. Um, and when I was at Apple, Dan was someone that was really, really special. And we became really close and actually came to Berlin together, didn't we? Yes. Can't remember yeah. how many years that was now, but... Um, yeah, we're sat around his dining table in his beautiful, rustic, stripped back hospital. I'd say, <laughs> is that how you describe it? It's a gallery space. It's your home. Yes. It's, um, yeah, it's so warm and welcoming. And um, yeah, we're just going to talk about life decisions, stories, um, you know, things that he's done in his life that he'd like to share with all of you guys. And yeah, it's going to be a really, really special one. So thank you for saying yes. Fe- what an introduction featuring wow. on the podcast what an introduction yeah. uh and i love how you describe this room as welcoming because most people describe it as weird with all the hospital beds and things like that so um yeah, yeah. i guess i'm just i've been surrounded by a lot of like artists my entire life and you know i kind of it's not about it is about the architecture and it is about the interiors, but it's all, it's also about the energy. And um, you're such a warming person. I think you just make any space warm. Oh, <laughs> how lovely. <laughs> <laughs> um, so starting with, I guess, the question of, you know, your, your lovely home, the hospital. Could you describe it to the audience and also maybe describe why it's called the hospital? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I used to live in like an old hospital in London. Uh, I was kind of looking after the place and it was actually where um, Charles Dickens wrote Oliver Twist. So I was kind of like uh, being a guardian and kind of looking after it. Lived there with some friends and it was it was such an amazing time. I lived there for like many, many years. Um, and I think it was just because uh, I love the idea of living in a hospital. Mm-hmm. So when I got the opportunity in central London, um, I don't know it was just it was always just a memorable um thing for people like oh you live in a hospital wow um and then if we were having any parties and things like that um people always used to remember the name like oh yeah you live in a hospital cool Mm -hmm. so I think when I came here and I kind of had this idea of maybe setting up a little gallery um I you know I was like why not call it you know something that's memorable and 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 also something that's kind of close to my heart and yeah, you wanted to bring a bit of London into Berlin, I guess, maybe. Yeah, absolutely. Bring all the I, memories. I still had, I still had like, 
people's like heart charts and and kind of things like that from from where I used to live because mm-hmm. um, I found like loads of like really random kind of things in the basement and stuff like that um so yeah I had all these you know I've still got people's like files and stuff like that That's from, crazy. From, from what they left in the hospital and I was like yeah why not like I've got all these things that I can kind of put up on the wall mm-hmm. and and um and it has a bit of a story behind it um and I've, I think I've always as well loved loved the aesthetic of um kind of I guess uh like an old maybe communist hospital where mm-hmm. it's kind of really bare mm-hmm. and it's just um it's very kind of white um uh, slightly dilapidated and and things like that and I, I kind of I, I think I just always kind of love that aesthetic um do you think that's also related maybe to your heritage of being Polish um no I get because I, I guess like a lot of hospitals that kind of look like that right um that's uh, kind of certain points mm-hmm. um so I, I, I that side probably not relate to my heritage mm-hmm. but um but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's, it's always like really interesting for people to kind of walk in and there's like hospital beds everywhere. There's like hospital lamps. Yeah. Uh, even this one we're sitting underneath right now, that I know, used to crazy. be like an operation lamp. So yeah, I love it so uh, yeah. much. Every time I come in, I'm like, he wired that himself. How did he do that? <laughs> <laughs> YouTube videos, Yeah, YouTube videos, no, which amazing. is where I learned like a lot of stuff. And I think it's, it's really personal for me because I did a lot of the work myself as right. well. Um, and I kind of locked myself away and I kind of stripped down the walls, stripped, like stripped off the flooring and stuff like that. So for me, it was, um, it has kind of that extra meaning because I put like a lot of work and a lot of love into it. Mm. No, it's such a lovely space and it's crazy the amount of space you have in this, just this one front room and then you live at the back. Like yeah. it's a perfect kind of segmentation of creativity, gallery space, open plan living. Then you have your bathroom, your bedroom and your kitchen in the back. It's really beautiful. Oh, well, I'm, I'm glad you like it. It's, yeah. it's, it's kind of like living on, I mean, there are kind of good and bad sides about living on the kind of ground floor. Mm. Um, but I guess essentially it's really a shop because it used to, this place used to be a cafe back in the day. Right. Um, so it is, it is sometimes nice being able to just kind of like open the front door and then like kind of people can come and go as they please. Yeah. Um, and you know, some of the, you know, some of the, the events we've had here, like, uh, it's been kind of super nice, especially when you just get loads and loads of people that, that you don't know. Yeah. Just walking off the street, walking off the street, mm. like coming in to kind of appreciate the space and, you know, whatever artwork was up at that time mm-hmm. or the performances that were going on. So, mm-hmm. um, and you've been in this space now for four years. No, I think I've been in this space for about two and a half years. Okay. Come to three years. Yeah. Okay. Well, so, and how many events or like galleries exhibitions have you kind of uh well when I was going through because I've kind of gone through phases obviously now like I don't do any of that anymore okay um but I had like many like probably um maybe seven to ten wow over the course of uh I think when I was doing it it was about 10 months mm-hmm. or roughly so it's about like one kind of once a month nice and um but there was really everything from kind of like performances exhibitions to kind of even like clothes sales Mm -hmm. and things like that so um it really it i really wanted it to be like a multi-purpose space and and that's kind of um that's yeah what i wanted to turn it into yeah it's really really beautiful (laughs) i wish i kind of came when you had a little event on it would have been really cool um so you've lived in this space for two and a half years but you've actually been in berlin for how long 
Um, three and a half years. Three ago. and a half, nearly four. Wow. <clears throat> nearly four, yeah. Okay, but you, obviously we met in London and yeah. we worked at Apple together. Exactly. And, um, you know, you were London born. Yep. Yeah. And you lived in South London. Exactly, South okay. London. Amazing. Could you tell the audience a little bit about your background and your, your childhood and where you grew up and... Um, yeah, obviously I've mentioned that you're Polish, but all of your other beautiful <laughs> ethnic <laughs> backgrounds as well. Uh, okay, yeah. I mean, I um, I grew up in South East London, mm -hmm. in Lewisham, mm -hmm. Catford specifically. Brat, brat. Um, yeah, <laughs> Blue Borough represent. Um, and my mom's Polish, my dad's Italian. Mm -hmm. And at that time, it's kind of weird to think about it now, but at that time... You know, whenever I told people I'm from South East London, they would always be like, oh, I'm so sorry for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was, I think at one time it was definitely like, I think it was the stab capital of uh, Europe. So wow. it was, uh, I've definitely, I've definitely seen it in kind of different times, mm. especially like, like I said, in Lewisham and Peckham and places like that. Um, you know, especially like even like with Peckham now, like it's it's changed so much that it's even sometimes hard to imagine that it was literally one of the worst places to, like especially the high street was one of the worst places to kind of walk down yeah like you absolutely. just wouldn't do it mm. uh, kind of same in Lucian. you kind of really had to have your wits about you because yeah i mean i've i've been involved in a lot of uh i've seen a lot of stuff mm -hmm. i've had a lot of stuff happen to me in in that in you know in the kind of you know, seeing people being attacked, being attacked. Mm -hmm. um, that was just kind of like a normal occurrence. Right. Um, and this was when you were at school or college or? Yeah, when I went, when I was in school, it was like a, yeah, like I said, it was, um, even when you're kind of going home, uh, you would always have to have your wits about you to mm -hmm. kind of look around every corner, make sure there was no one there. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes you'd even run to the bus stop to make sure that like, you kind of uh, got to the bus on time. Mm -hmm. So then there wouldn't be any kind of like madness. Mm -hmm. Why did your mum and dad choose to live there, if you don't mind me asking? Um, it's probably the only place they could uh, afford okay. a house because they wanted like a, a bigger house. Mm -hmm. uh, because obviously it's kind of me and my brother and it was them and then um, they just decided there um, mm -hmm. because that was um that was like many years ago mm. well i i lived in i've lived in east london um with my parents we i started secondary school no no i was in year four when we moved from australia so i was 12 and um yeah we only moved to east london near london city airport because my mum was head of fashion at uel so it was literally across the dock mm -hmm. but i think actually you know if we if it wasn't for that convenience and obviously that kind of area of London was maybe, yeah, like you, the most affordable. Um, definitely was gangland back in those days as well, kind of still is a little bit, but it's definitely more gentrified now. Exactly. But, it's um, hard for people to imagine. It's yeah. really hard for people to imagine because mm -hmm. like now, like I said, when I see people like on Peckham High Street, at like, I don't know, nine, 10 in the evening, like walking down the street with their phone out um, and, you know, uh, a, a beer in the hand yeah trendy trainers trendy trainers yeah <laughs> not just the beer as well not just the beer it's got to be like you know one of them brewed in, brewed in brixton kind <laughs> of uh, um, pale ales yeah um then you know if i saw that uh, sort of i don't know 10 15 years ago i would have been like i need to yeah. tell this guy to yeah. literally go home like yeah. right now because yeah. he's, he's about to get robbed mm. So but, did you enjoy living there now, looking back? Were you, are you thankful for that experience? I mean, I always had that kind of drive to, like, I wanted to kind of live abroad. I wanted to live in different places. Mm -hmm. And and maybe that's kind of stems from my parents 
actually not being from England yeah, and, and then always traveling kind of into different places and mm-hmm. also knowing Polish and Italian, like, you know, spending like most of my summers like outside of England. Um, but yeah, now when I think back to it, like, you know, I would never want to go back to that time. Like I'm so happy about, you know, how everything's evolved. Mm-hmm. Um, but it definitely, it definitely kind of built my character and, and, um, and made me appreciate a lot of things. Mm. Was there anything that you did as a young boy to kind of release your anxieties or, you know, get away from gangs or, you know, school or or anything like that? I mean, I did horse riding. I did um, ballet when I was younger. So I did all these like different activities. Check as you. A, yeah, as horse a young riding girl. as well in Docklands. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> it was like one of the Olympic like training horse really? riding places. Yeah, just wow. in Beckton. Okay. Um, yeah, so I, I I did a kind of a few extracurriculum activities, but um, kind of stopped that when I went to secondary school. But was there anything that you did to kind of get away from or like have a bit of release? I was in and out of school mm-hmm. and different types of school for for a very very long time. So I didn't have very much actually free time in that sense. Um, I had to on top of English school, I had to go to Polish school like pretty much the whole of Saturday, and after that I did Polish dancing which I didn't tell anyone about when I was, uh, uh, when I was younger. <laughs> right. And then, uh, then I had to go to Italian school, like, uh, after English school, like on Monday and Thursdays. Wow. Um, and, then I, and these kind of schools were for what language reasons? Or these were culture? language. Yeah. Language, these were language. Okay. The Polish one, I guess was kind of a mix of like language and culture. Mm-hmm. Cause you kind of had a whole cur- curriculum there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was, and then I literally had to go to church every Sunday. So pretty much like. Maybe wow, you the, didn't have any time off. Literally like the, and then I was going to uh, different like kind of music teachers. So I was doing like piano lessons on like a Wednesday after, after school. Um, at certain points I was sometimes doing guitar on like, uh, I was learning guitar on like Saturday, like afternoon after church. So it was kind of like, it really was like, I didn't have very much time. And I guess the time that I did have, especially when I was younger, um, I, I pretty much just played computer games to kind of, um, to kind of get away from everything. And that was kind of my thing. And then I started kind of playing football, like religiously. Right. Um, when though, like in the mornings or the evenings or like, yeah, like on the weekends or pretty much any spare time I had, I was just like playing football, but I really didn't fit into that kind of, I guess, football crowd, but I just loved it so much. So I was always that, um, uh yeah I was always that kind of outsider I felt uh because everyone was like yeah let's go and get some beers and I was like no I'm cool I think I'm gonna go home um (laughs) oh what age did you really get into football though like how many years did you play it for um I probably got into football I guess around like college time Mm -hmm. like 16 um or maybe slightly before and then I was I was literally playing at any kind of spare time I had even like boxing day and then like um also Christmas Eve and boxing day I was like me and my friends would just literally go and play football like pretty much all the time and even didn't even go to any house parties didn't really drink because I was always like kind of saving my body right um for because I, I wanted to be like the best the best did you want to be the best, the best, like professionally, or was it just for you um, personally? Yes, I had these moments, like, and then I kind of got scouted for 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 some teams, um, but I, I I couldn't go to any because I, I literally, you know, m- like most most people like play on Saturdays mm-hmm. um, or train on Saturdays at least, and I was going to Polish school and then Polish dancing, so it was. It and was those almost, obviously were compulsory, like your parents. Yeah, there was there was, there was literally no, no way. Yeah. No way. If, I think even when I got even when I got scouted for Fulham, 
I I really really wanted to go to to this kind of like uh, training that they were they they wanted me to come in for, mm -hmm. and I literally couldn't go because my mum was like, no, you had to go to Polish school. Yeah. Uh, so there was there was there was, and I remember crying so much. But now, like when I look back on it, like I'm kind of glad that I did carry on and I didn't kind of dive into football because as much as I love football mm -hmm. and I, I it, you know, it's one of the greatest stress releases for me. It's just not really, it just, it's not really my scene. It's not, it's not, it's not, I, I just wouldn't want my life to be kind of dictated by, by that, mm -hmm. even though it, was, it used to be before. No, fair enough. Uh, but that's what, kind of why I didn't even, didn't drink. I mean, I didn't even, I wasn't even drinking until like, uh, make myself sound like an alcoholic. <laughs> I, I was not drinking since uh, many years. Um, but until like I was 21, until like actually in the first year of uni, I remember thinking like, no, no, I'm like, everyone's like, yeah, let's go and get pissed. Like, yeah. let's go and I was like, no, I'm cool. Mm -hmm. um, just purely because I was like, no, that's going to affect, it's going to affect me. Even though I wasn't mm -hmm. even playing football at that time. Um, it was just like, no, like I was really kind of health conscious. Wow. And I still am to this day, but you know, we're now drinking vodka. I'm a little bit drunk. <laughs> so happy days. Happy days. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I, uh, I, you know, I lived at home when I went to uni and, um, uh, yeah, kind of, um, that kind of freshers, like, yeah, we're going to go out to yeah. the club, like get tipsy. Um, wasn't really a part of my, my uni days really. I mean, I was so focused on Apple and like being busy with my projects and staying inspired and going to exhibitions and going on holiday and boyfriends, all of that stuff. Like I didn't, yeah, I didn't want to go to freshers and, and get drunk and have one pound shots, <laughs> even though exactly. that's what I want now because money's tight yeah. and alcohol is so expensive in London. Triple shot for one. Triple shot for one pound. Sheffield, I remember that. There was this one place that was literally like, no, sorry, it was a quad, quad shot. Uh, a quad shot is that just in a normal glass yeah exactly it was literally <laughs> a normal glass and it was the same same stuff they used to clean uh oh my god uh clean like all the surfaces afterwards what uh, you'd, you'd shot that yeah of well when i like yeah of course you'd shot cleaning liquid it wasn't cleaning liquid. Okay. It's just like, it must've been such cheap vodka. It's cheap alcohol. Okay. Cheap yeah, alcohol. Like, it disinfects the it's, surfaces. It's, it's, you might as well just use that to clean wow. the surfaces. Wow. Um, anyone yeah, listen, anyone listening, don't, don't, for one pound. Anyone listening, don't, do, don't, don't, don't do drink cleaning Not, liquid. <laughs> or, or do if you want to get absolutely smashed. <laughs> um, but yeah, that wasn't a part of my, my young adult culture. I'd say my parents definitely loved a glass of wine when I was younger and going to the South of France and like being around older people and my mum's friends, you know, hosting. I always had like a little glass of wine for sure. When yeah. I was like probably 10, had my first glass of wine. My parents probably listening oh, that's, now. That's very Mediterranean. Yeah, yeah, very Mediterranean. I mean, I'm not even joking. There's a picture of me as a toddler sitting in on my man in my Manchester house on the co and the couch, eating a jar of black olives. Like, no joke. I am Mediterranean. <laughs> I didn't know what you were gonna say there, <laughs> and I was not expecting a jar of black olives. I know. Literally, I'm just hugging it, like eating the olives. Okay. It's a fucking joke. For some reason, I thought you were gonna say I was like smoking a joint. No, like. <laughs> This it was so crazy when she was younger. Such a rebel. I was like, I had like a tiny bit of red wine and then I like smashed like a whole jar of olives. I'm crazy. <laughs> Grew but, up in Docklands, represent. Yes. <laughs> but um, yeah, loved, love a little glass of wine. And I think it's really important to like share, you know, that kind of culture. And like, it doesn't matter how old you are, like get involved, get involved in the red wine. 
Oh, yeah, absorb sure. that flavor. I mean, I was, I was always, I was always offered like wine when I was younger and, um, yeah, just kind of my dad being Italian. So I have a little bit of red wine. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. But I don't you wouldn't know, I go out. red wine. Yeah. You wouldn't get out and get smashed. Not at all. I, Not I, at all. I never really had that intention either. But then I made up for it when I was in, when I went to live in Poland as part of my, uh, kind of one year abroad mm-hmm. at uni. And then, so yeah, I mean, I took kind of vodka to the next, to the next, next level. Next level. Yeah. Oh my God. We, we, it was kind of normal for everyone just to have a bottle of vodka each before they left the house. That's the level. And I don't even know how I did it. If I did that now, um, I would, it would, it would be, be dangerous. Like, yeah. It would be like call an ambulance right yeah, now. Yeah. Um, Do you but, have, I've never tried. I've never been to Poland or Russia. You know, my dad, uh, went when I was younger, he was teaching mm-hmm. in universities, but, um, he always used to bring back beautiful vodka and it just didn't taste like what we have, yeah. what we had in England. And I think, you know, when, when you meet Russians or, you know, even the bar we went to last night and they served us like ice cold shot glasses with ice cold vodka, That's like it, it was, be. yeah, it's how it should be. And, and it was so beautiful and it was, I could have probably easily had another one and another one after that because it was so beautiful. Absolutely. Like it's, it's different and it, it annoys me that we don't <laughs> get, you know, similar, um, similar vodka and and we don't serve it in the same way that it's supposed to be served Absolutely. Like, kind of like abuse it and especially when you get like a vodka or when you order a, like a, a vodka uh in england and it's literally like some smirnoff off the shelf yeah and it's like why would why would you even want to do that why would like, you want to make it, it blue it's <laughs> <laughs> but going back you you said sheffield is that somewhere that you kind of grew up is that where is that where you went to uni or yeah, that's what kind of when I went to uni okay. and um one pound vodka, blue shots up in quad, there. Cod vodka. Cod vodka. Cod vodka, one 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 pound. Wow. Oh my um, God. What did you study in Sheffield? I studied Russian, Polish and Italian. Wow. So language has been a really, really big part of your life then. I guess so. But I kind of didn't know what I wanted to study at university, even though I was kind of like I guess I felt more creatively inclined. Mm-hmm. Like um I, I, I always wanted to kind of go across Russia. Okay. Um, so I was like, cool, it's better to know the language. Let's, let's do it. And then, um, and I remember like, I remember this day so well, like when I applied for UCL and at that time, like I literally missed one of the, one of the grades by like a couple of marks. And then they were like, no, I'm really sorry. Cause, uh, like you can't get in. Mm-hmm. Like you ha- and then that like, Sheffield was my second option mm-hmm, okay. and a friend was there as well. And I felt so sad because I was like leaving London. It's that like, kind of typical London thing. Like, Oh my God, like there's literally nothing outside of London. Yeah. Um, and it's really easy to, to, to kind of think like that. Mm, um, no, when, when you, when you kind of grow up and live in London, and it's probably one of the best decisions ever, like best things that ever happened to me. Really? In that sense. That's so interesting. I mean, I, the podcast before this one, episode two is with Victoria and she's a Londoner born and bred and she, said on the podcast she would there was no way she was leaving London yeah she wanted to study fine art and design and there was no way that she was going to do it anywhere else that's really interesting that you say that was the best decision of your life it really was I wonder I was was crying I was like and then and then my friend called me from Sheffield and he's like why are you so sad like it's amazing up here and and I I couldn't even imagine like why it would be amazing like it's like yeah but it's not London is it it's like there's so many things to do here and it's that kind of typical thing that you you know past Watford you're like what is around here <laughs> where like, am I <laughs> and I'd never been outside of, like I, I admit that like I really never been outside of London right. before that time and then um 
And then I went to Sheffield and, and I think the best thing about it is that like, if I stayed in London, I most probably would have lived at home. And that's just the, you know, like, why would you, why would I have paid like a crazy amount to kind of live maybe 15 minutes from where I was already living? No, absolutely. I mean, that's it's, what I did. Yeah. Yeah. Saved all that money. Yeah. It's, it's, it kind of made no sense. So it kind of forced me to kind of live away from my parents mm -hmm. and, and, um, and it was really the best decision because like, you know, as much as I love my parents, like it was, it was that time I needed to kind of, um, find myself in yeah, that absolutely. Kind of sort of cliche kind of way but it really yeah. was and I remember like closing the door and I was like oh actually nobody knows when I come in and out of my room like yeah nobody um, knows anything about you nobody's, either and you, you're just kind of like you're just this anonymous person yeah. in this city and, yeah. and you've kind of just got to make your friendships again like um you've got to kind of build your life again um so in that sense it was you know the experience I had there the kind of journey I went um through when I was there and but also like when I had my year abroad as well that was kind of one of the best years of my life and when I lived in Russia and, and Poland um and was that first year or second year or third year that was third year third year third year yeah. wow okay so it's kind of like a treat you you kind of come coming to the end of your year and here's yeah. a little kind of experience of go and use the languages that you've been learning exactly yeah. amazing wow that's so fun do you th do all language courses kind of do that I guess there's no most, point most, if you yeah. do and then you don't go and spend time in the, the country exactly I think most um yeah most languages uh, most language courses are like four years okay um so they are and then yeah it's always like the third year usually you kind of go away right um but even when I was meant like when I was uh, going to live in Russia like I remember people going oh my god you're gonna get killed you're gonna get this and this it's kind of the time when people didn't really know too much mm -hmm. and it was still relatively inaccessible for a lot of people right um, when, when was this sorry what kind of year uh, this was in 2008 okay fuck that's a long time ago <laughs> um and it, it was just it was like also like just such an amazing experience um where in Russia did you go St. Petersburg St. Petersburg yeah nice yeah. my dad's and, been sorry my dad's been many really? times yeah Moscow as well oh yeah I never went um, to Moscow Poland but... Lithuania really yeah yeah he loves Eastern, Eastern Europe he's brought so many beautiful collectives back as well like textiles dresses hats wow. yeah our house is like a museum of, of the world oh I need <laughs> to give him some like Polish Polish folk dancing oh god uh, he'd love that yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know he would but that was yeah I think living in Russia was 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 uh, was crazy don't like it was definitely crazy in, in 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 a lot of ways but you know by by the end of it like I was sometimes running around the city by myself wow. um you and, went for a year uh no about like eight months eight months okay and what, what were you doing out I was studying Russian okay still so, okay, yeah, so you yeah, weren't yeah. working or like no 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 I wasn't okay. working I was I was literally going to kind of language schools there just Fine. to I guess enhance your uh your language before the final year which is I guess the most important year right Russia is very crazy mm. but but I, I definitely felt safer there in in a sense um compared with like you know places in London that's crazy like, to say isn't I it? know it's really wow. crazy to say but like people but I, I genuinely felt like safer there than I would like in Lucian that's crazy. For sure, after dark. Yeah. Um, obviously, you do have to have your wits about you. There yeah. was always that kind of thing of like you have like you have one wallet where you got everything in, mm -hmm. or like most things in, and you got like one wallet where you've just got um, I don't know, like twenty euros or something like that. Okay. So, so if you someone hand that one over. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it never happened to me, but like you know, or it's mainly for like kind of bribing the police. Mm. So if you ever get, uh, if ever, sometimes if police hear that you're from. Uh, from the West or especially from England, um, they will always, well, I say always, but they, they will sometimes ask, 
for like a bribe, mm -hmm. but in a way of like, you know, kind of trying to threaten you. And then just, then you go, cool, here's my wallet. And mm. this is all I've got, bam. Interesting. Um, so um, sure I always had that just in case. Yeah, sure. Or I always had like a little bit of money just in his pocket and I was just like kind of, you know, Give just it. ready to sort of pull it out. Mm. Um, God, interesting. I'm sure my dad's got many different stories about that. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. I have I'm to sure. ask him. Because <laughs> <laughs> crazy you... stuff, like crazy, crazy stuff, just just happens to happen there. Like yeah. really, it's very interesting. Um, Was there anything really interesting about the experience in Russia? Like, what, what kind of did you gravitate towards? Was it like the culture, or was it? the language or was it the architecture or was it photography or kind of what what kind of stimulated your visual mind or like creative mind when you were out there it's quite ironic but like i have a really difficult relationship with russia and germany it's mm -hmm. ironic that i lived in both places and that's just purely because when i was growing up i was reading like most of the books i own and most of the books i read were about polish history mm -hmm. and obviously the two countries that pretty much tore uh, Poland apart uh, is like Russia and, and, and Germany. Wow. But then I thought, even when I was growing up, growing up, I had this, I guess, animosity towards Russia mm -hmm. and towards Germany. But then I was like, you know what? I need to go and experience it for myself. Um, I need to actually kind of understand their culture, understand, uh, because obviously it's, uh, you kind of try and separate, you know, the decisions governments at that time took to mm. the actual people living there because obviously they didn't uh they didn't take these decisions that maybe make made me so against um like russia and, and germany as, no, a, as, absolutely. A, as a country it's a higher higher power people isn't it exactly yeah but sometimes it's hard to kind of detach mm. i guess my main objective of being in russia was just to actually ingratiate myself into the society mm -hmm. and and get to know like Russian people uh, as they are. Yeah. Um, and not read about them know. in a book, I guess. Sorry? And not read about them in a book. Exactly. Or yeah. not read about them from the news or read about the country from the news because then, then you're always going to come up with, you know, a very biased view unless you've actually been there. Absolutely. Did you ever go to Italy and live and speak? Uh, I mean, I spent many summers there. Okay. Um, but, you know, I think for me, as much as I... I consider myself more Polish than Italian in, in a lot of ways. Maybe that, that, I mean, that probably stems from a lot of things, but even things that I did like kind of Polish dancing and, you know, I spent a lot more time in Poland. I felt a little bit more connected to Poland. Yeah. Um, I kind of, I guess I got on with the people in Poland mm -hmm. better than I did in Italy. Um, I understood their struggle. And I think when people have gone through like a mad struggle, um, it just kind of brought me closer to them and it made me kind of... Uh, yeah, it just, it just made me feel, it made me feel like I wanted to be a part of that, that culture. Okay. Um, and you didn't, you didn't really feel that in Russia or? Oh no, I mean, I'm never, I would, I would never, I'm never going to feel Russian and I'm never going to feel <laughs> close to Russia. Right. I just wanted to understand that. Yeah. I respect, I respect Russian people and, mm -hmm. and a lot of things I do, but, but you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I feel like Polish through and through in that sense. Mm -hmm. Really interesting about Russia, Stefan went to Poland a few months ago for a mm -hmm. filming convention week. I can't remember what it's called now, but um, he had the time of his life. He said yeah. everyone was so friendly and he had amazing food and amazing vodka and um, amazing kind of atmospheres in bars and he felt safe. And, 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 and I think what I always tell, uh, I always explain to people is that there's a reason why, and a lot of people don't know this, but um, there's a reason why Poland had the biggest Jewish population. Wow, um, okay. You know, uh, I think in the world at that time, mm. um, there's there's a reason why there were there were 
um, it, Poland was actually one of the most diverse places. And people forget that because people go to Poland now and it's mainly Polish people. Right. Um, but the reason for that is, is uh, that at, at a time in history where the Jews were really persecuted, they were thrown out of France um, at one point. Um, it, it, the, the only place that accepted them was Poland. And uh, even the Tatars, which are Muslim, there was a really big Muslim population in Poland. There was a, there was a massive like Jewish population, and um, and everyone coexisted peacefully for for you know uh, centuries. Mm. And the war just literally tore the whole country apart. What war was this? So the Second World War. Okay. But before the Second World War, Poland was one of the most diverse places in in and in, uh, in the world. And, wow. And um, the the way I describe it is 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 you had essentially that the Nazis that that everyone knows that what they did and and they kind of like tore the the country apart they mm -hmm. they killed everyone from Jews uh Polish people gays uh Muslims like they just they killed everyone that they could mm -hmm. and then the Russians came in a lot of people don't know this but you know the the kind of Russians came in and they also killed they would go into anywhere like a lawyer's office a police station they would just take everyone and they would just shoot them in the forest and so i guess they 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 tried to destroy a nation by by taking all the people that may be able to change something or people in a position or intellectuals mm -hmm. or anyone that's kind of driving the country forward mm -hmm. they would take them and they would they would shoot them um so so and poland lost you know the biggest uh, percentage of of uh of, of people in, from their population than, than any other country it was a quarter of the population so one in four people in poland died in the war and after it as well whether it's in a, a Russian labor camp in Siberia, or whether it's in 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 Auschwitz, so that's why I have so much respect for Poland mm. to be able to actually come out of that, and still the people are so so lovely. the The country sixty years or maybe seventy years ago was actually on its knees, mm. like when you don't have any judges, policemen, lawyers, and when when everyone uh, is is killed and their families are killed, like to come out of that and still be a functioning nation, like I think is just so commendable. And that's why I, so, I feel so close to, close to Poland in that sense. No, absolutely. Because they've gone through so much. Yeah. But that, that's, that's just the kind of point where I always try to remind people, is, you know, there was a reason why there were so many Jews in Poland. There was a reason why there were so many Muslims in Poland. And it was, it was because it was the only place where they were allowed to settle and they were, you know, they were treated in, in the way that they should be treated. Mm. So that that's that's the, that's the kind of um, that's what drives me a lot, um, and that's why I always try to explain to people like, yeah, there there is definitely racism in Poland at some point, but um, what happened in Poland as well is they 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 killed so many people that the only people that there were maybe people in the villages that that ended up moving into the city to and and traditionally just like in any country like most people like that live in the the villages and the things outside the city they're maybe a bit more close-minded and stuff like that and they they took the 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 place of people that that you know had got like maybe gone to uni and mm -hmm. like kind of like seen the world and mm -hmm. things like that that you know all these people were killed mm. um so it just takes time for it to to kind of get back it takes centuries probably no, to, to actually get back to that 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 same point yeah it, it may even take longer than centuries to kind of get back to that point so that's why i try and remind people that it, it it's it's going to take time for for poland to kind of open up and, and develop in 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 the way that people probably expect it to yeah just you, like in, in in france for example mm -hmm. like you know, they had a government that literally 
told the Germans that the Nazis where the where where all the Jewish people they just gave up all the Jews. Poland never did that. It never collaborated with with Russia or uh, with Russia or um, or the Nazis. Um, Why was that? Do you think someone high up was in power and, and was kind of like, no, this is the way we're going to do it, or was it the people, or kind of who made those decisions? Do you know? Um, in terms of, it was because that they were allied. Uh, Poland was allied with with uh, with France and uh, Britain. Okay, <clears throat> and then obviously America uh, afterwards. Uh, but the the, the French um, had two governments, um, like the Vichy government, which which um, uh, was I guess allied with with the Germans, mm -hmm. and you had the the I guess there uh, Charles de Gaulle, who was uh, who was then based in London, who was I guess the government in exile. So they had kind of two governments. Poland uh, also had a government in exile. Um, uh, and then they had their kind of home army, which was uh, was allied to to the government in exile. Uh, but Poland was um, just so it was so loyal to to kind of Britain and, and America that it would never collaborate with anyone else mm. in any way. Yeah, it didn't and want that's to why break so many trust. Polish people were, were were killed because you know even to this day, like the most people that helped uh, the Jews uh, escape and saved so many Jews, like were, were the Polish people. It's so beautiful. And, and, You're and, teaching and, me so much. Really? I, I, yeah, I didn't do history at school or, or at college. And um, yeah, you're very, very knowledgeable. And it, it, the, passion, <laughs> the passion and the love for, for your country is, ob is obviously means so much to you, whether that be your, you know, the schooling you did or your mum and your dad sharing mm. you all these stories or whether you just read books and you've, you know, you've ingrained all of this history in your brain. Yeah. It's like amazing. And I, I've never been to Poland. And obviously I actually think you're my only Polish friend. Really? Yeah. So thank you for educating me about No problem. The I mean, it, it's, you know... Um, it makes sense as to why you're so people-friendly and, and open-minded and sure, warming. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you, you, I think you are... Yeah, you, you definitely are Polish <laughs> in that way. I mean, most of, the, most of the people I've been... Because obviously, you know, my parents were, were working a lot when... Um, just to kind of pay the bills when, when I was younger. So most of the people I was brought up by were older Polish ladies. Right. Whether it's when I, when I was in Poland that summer or mm -hmm. in England, um, you know, the people that looked after me were older Polish ladies. And, and I always kind of looked at them. I always remember them like for their absolute, you know, determination and drive. And, you know, I think Polish women are, are some of the most amazing people I've, I've ever met. Mm -hmm. And I've seen, I've seen with my own eyes how especially older Polish ladies, they, they literally held families together. Mm -hmm. They were the strongest people in that, in, in that family. They, they did everything. I, I have a lot of respect for Poland, but I have a lot of respect for, for Polish women. The powerhouses. The powerhouses, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And that's, that's, you know, that's also probably why I feel very Polish as well, because the people that brought me up mm. were, 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 you know, strong Polish women. Mm. Um, no, and when I hear of the struggle, you know, for example, I, I always use this um, example of, of uh, it's called, a, it was the squadron um, 303. Um, and it was uh, the Polish squadron in, um, in the RAF. And they shot down more planes than any other British squadron. Um, and they pretty much turned the tide of the, the, the Battle of Britain. And if it wasn't for them shooting down so many planes at that kind of critical moment, um, like, uh, sorry, uh, England would have, uh, would have lost the Battle of Britain. 
um, they shot down that many planes. This is um, this is men and women shooting down planes. It was mainly men, mainly pilots, men, okay. mm-hmm. male pilots, sorry. Right. Um, but they, it's almost they shot down so many planes. It was actually unbelievable for a lot of uh, for a lot of high-ranking kind of English officers mm-hmm. that they had to actually come and investigate, and they actually realized like. And there's a couple of quotes where they're like, oh my God, they're actually doing this. Um, And so what happened after that, um, like when the war uh, sort of ended, is that these uh, pilots and actually all the the, the kind of Polish uh, army that was kind of based in in England, they weren't even allowed to take part in the victory parades (gasps) because uh, Russia kind of told them like, you know, they 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 wanted to kind of suppress Poland as much as possible. So they were like, no, they, like they can't take place. And and in England, um, well, I don't know if reluctantly, but they 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 stopped uh, any Polish person taking part in 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 the victory parades. So you can imagine, uh, and and that just signifies what happened to Poland in general in the war. But right. but through through the eyes of these pilots, imagine shooting down so many planes. Imagine kind of turning the tide. Imagine really sacrificing yourself, not just for Poland, but for for the Allied cause. Yeah. And then it not comes to the victory parade, to. and they're like, "Yes, yeah, sorry, you're gonna have to stay at home. Literally, Why? you're gonna have to stay at home. Not even you can't like you're gonna have to stay at home." So that happened, not just for these pilots, but that happened across the board. So that's, that's when I heard all these stories, when I kind of, that's, that's why, like, I didn't even want to read any other books. I was just like, I need to know everything about this. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we, we could probably speak about this for a very long time. Mm-hmm. I think what, uh, yeah, I always wanted to h- highlight the reason why, you know, Poland is very different. Poland isn't the Poland it was before the war. Mm-hmm. And it's going to take a very, very long time. Uh, but I would, I would always recommend people to, to kind of at least read the struggle of um of the 303 squadron uh, yeah it's a very inspiring and, and now it's starting story. to come out mm. now is um you have people like norman davis which is probably one of the most famous historians in the world and and it's not just because he married a, a polish uh woman but uh, he's wrote some amazing amazing books and because of him and because of other people uh, people are kind of starting to to really take notice I really respect you for not only diving into the, not not even diving into your culture, you know, you grew up in that culture, but like reading and understanding and going and meeting and listening. Um, Definitely that's something that I would, you know, I've already taken away from this podcast. You know, if you're from a background or you're from a heritage or you're really interested in something that's either political or not, like Mm -hmm. read about it, educate yourself about it. Absolutely. What a powerful place to be connected to. Absolutely, mm. absolutely. But yeah, this is to be honest. This is something I could, I could probably speak about for a, for a very, very long time. <laughs> no, no, it's really, really interesting. Um, but uh, I, I would, you know, if anyone is listening and is interested, there's a really, really good book called uh, "For Your Freedom and Ours," and it's written by two um, American journalists, and it's it's literally tells the story of the the Free or Free Squadron, and and um, uh, but then it kind of you know it talks about. Poland's and and but through the eyes of this this kind of squadron and mm-hmm. it pretty much starts the book starts with with you know them crying because uh, they're not allowed to take part in the, yeah, the victory parade the victory so that's kind of how the book starts and then it kind of it sort of explains a lot of things about about Poland and the, and its and their history um uh through through their eyes so I would I would highly recommend that that book okay to, as a takeaway I'll um I'll read it as well <laughs> <laughs> there must have been some things 
in your life that inspired you creatively, um, whether it was in Sheffield or Poland or Russia. And I just really want to dive into that topic and, and understand where that love for photography came from, if you don't mind. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I didn't really even, I always love capturing kind of moments. So always had a camera, always wanted to record something, but I could never really kind of got into it until I went back to Poland after uni when I was like, cool, I don't I really don't know what I want to do. Um, and, and my friend who I met on my year abroad there, she was uh, still studying, um, on a year abroad in Russia or Poland? In Poland. Okay. Poland. Yeah. So I met, um, which now my best friend, like Miria, like she, uh, she was kind of living there in, in Krakow where I studied mm -hmm. and, um, which is such an amazing kind of beautiful city. And, um, and she was, she was taking loads of photos with these kind of old cameras. And I was like, wow, like I really want to get into it. And she kind of mm -hmm. lent me this like old kind of Russian Zenit camera. And then I remember going to the flea market and then I got this kind of like old bike. And then I got another of these kind of like old Russian cameras and you could buy them for like super cheap. And, um, and then I, I just had a couple of months where I was kind of trying to figure stuff out, like what I want to do as a next step. And I was literally just riding around on this old bike with this old camera, just kind of taking photos. And then when I saw what came out, I was like, oh my God, like yeah. I, I love, I love the colors. I just mm. love everything, even from this kind of old, you know, shitty kind of camera. Mm. So it was a film camera you used? It was a film camera, yeah. yeah. Okay. It, was, it was, it was, it was a, called like a Zenit. Okay. Um, and you can, you can still get them now, like for, you know, even on British eBay for like 10, 20 quid. Okay. Um, but even when you were reading the books, you know, that you said that you were educating yourself about Polish history, did they, was it all words or did they have imagery? I'm trying to really like understand even when it, when that passion for capturing moments started. Um, it, it really wasn't like, I mean, you know, I, I used to do a lot of music when I was younger and, and, uh, but in terms of like the, the, you know, images, like, uh, I used to remember stuff in a kind of, I guess a kind of a photographic way. Yeah. Um, but in terms of like creatively, like it really, it's only when I guess I saw what came out of this old camera that I was like that kind of started to give me this sort of direction of like, oh, wow, like I love the colors. I love everything. And it kind of really developed, really developed from there. So I guess like before that, like, you know, I used to see kind of photos and pictures, but I, I never really kind of like analyzed it or, or, or I never really thought, oh my God, that's something I, I'd really want to do. It's mm. only when I took them myself that right. I was like, you saw wow. the outcome. I saw the outcome. I saw what was possible. And that's kind of what my, you know, where my love for film photography started. That that's why even now, like, you know, I've I've done digital shoots in 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 my time, and, mm. and I've always looked at the, the 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 photos, and I'm like, not really in love with them. Right. Not not kind of not feeling that. Mm. Um, but when I met you at Apple, um, you know, Apple are really good at hiring creative, you know, beautiful, very hardworking, talented people, um, and I knew you at Apple as a photographer. Like that's what I put with Daniel Martinelli. It's by that so time, weird. By that time, I I had kind of developed my love for photography more. So okay. I think when when we met, I I had already sort of gone into that. Okay, fine. Into that field. So we're talking a few years before Apple. Yeah, yeah. definitely a few years before because it okay. was like literally just I came out of uni and then I was working in in Topshop for a little bit and then I kind of got the job in in. So I I already had like before I met you at least like two three years where I was I was kind of. Uh, Fine. So yeah, you, you were 
Dan Martinelli, the photographer, when I met you. <laughs> I don't like to call myself that, but yeah, I guess, uh, yeah. It's, yeah, a, um, film, a film creator. A film, yeah. yeah. And, um, and I guess with film as well, you know, people, especially at that time, would always just be like, sometimes I'd turn up to a shoot and it'd be like, they'd kind of look at my camera and I remember one person like laughing, like, why have you got that? Wow. shitty camera yeah because obviously he had some i don't know canon i think at that time i can't remember what yeah, it was digital but some, camera. Some, yeah. some big canon camera and um no, it's interesting you say that actually you've just remembered every single post you you posted on instagram i don't know if you still do but you always use the hashtag film is not dead film is not dead yeah yeah and i truly believe that you know um i think it's it's coming it's, back around for sure for sure yeah even like stefan was on a, a shoot yesterday and um Jules, the director, was shooting on a film camera. Yeah. As well as Stefan's amazing red, you know, like the two sure. together, editing that contrast together, just bringing a different dynamic to the film. It's really interesting. Absolutely. I've no clue. I did a little short course at um, the, is it UCL that's, uh, no, Lon uh, London College of Communication in Elephant and Castle. I did a little summer course after Ravensbourne Foundation in film photography. And you kind of walk around, walked around Elephant and Castle taking f um, film photos and you went back to the dark room and printed them yourself. Awesome. Yeah, I did awesome. that. I remember that. I really, really loved it actually. But still, I, you know, I kind of didn't remember what I clicked or how I took the photo. I think if you gave me your film camera now, I wouldn't know what the fuck to do. But you know, or maybe I would. <laughs> Should we try? <laughs> no, I lost my favorite camera. But no. that's another. That's another. That's another story. But you know what? The the, you know, a, a lot of people have come up to me over over the years and just been like, "Cool, like I really want to get into film photography." And I, and I've always, I've I've always even sometimes told them to pick up a Zenit. Right. Um. And uh, there's you know you can just stick it on. Uh, you can just stick it on a certain setting and, and just see how you go. Mm. And um, and I think people will be surprised how actually easy it is. Mm. Um, you know, it, it, it can be a bit disheartening sometimes when you when something goes wrong or you, you buy a camera and nothing comes out. It's just yeah, blank, white. White. Oh, and, and it's not like with digital you can see, oh, okay, you know, you can kind of correct yourself quite quickly. Yeah. And obviously with film cameras, it... it, it it might be cheaper to maybe to buy the camera in, in, in most cases. Um, but then, you know, developing the film and stuff like that and then waiting for it. Um, yeah, it's a... it, yeah, it can, it can incur like, you know, certain costs. So if you get things wrong, you can kind of beat yourself up a little bit. about. Yeah. It. But when you, when you get it right, um, it's, it's, you know, one of the most beautiful things. And, 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 um, especially when you're kind of coming back from the, you know, if you get processed at a shop or you process it yourself, like just that kind of waiting, especially if you go from, come back from shop and you're like literally running home, which yeah, you're like, I want to see what's, 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 uh, what's on that. Do you remember the first kind of camera that you felt, you know, you took all the photos and you were waiting, anticipating for that moment to bring them all back. Do you remember where that was? I mean, that was in Krakow. That okay. was with the, that was with that, this, you know, old, old Russian camera. And, and, and um, what had you taken photos of? Really? It was just, I was just kind of cycling around on, on this kind of, you know, beat up bike mm -hmm. and just taking photos of everything really um, i mean because like i went on a pretty big photo shoot today i <laughs> went to the museum island in berlin and me and my friend mark literally was just taking pictures of everything but definitely stems around architecture obviously because that's what i love to look at and appreciate mm -hmm. the most obviously also all of the amazing sculptures and art renaissance art that 
was around everywhere that I looked today. But um, was there anything in particular that you love taking photos of people or, or you know, old wrinkly skin or like fashion or people, architecture? People, people, people. People, people, people. Okay, so interesting. <clears throat> Always, I, you know, I, I do love taking pictures of architecture and things like that. But for me, like capturing a moment between a person or people, that was always, I was always drawn to that. Yeah. Because in, in my mind, I was like, you know, people have probably taken a photo of this amazing building, uh, probably hundreds of people if it's, a, if it's an amazing building. I'm like, do you know what? I'd rather capture a moment that I've seen. And that's kind of, ev that is, is even when, I, when I've done certain shoots, um, like uh, actually all shoots that I do, like I, I would never tell people what they should and shouldn't do. I, I kind of always just talk to the person and then suddenly I just get out of my camera and like, cool, take a photo. But really spontaneous. It's mm, all about capturing that moment. organic way, yeah. yeah. Even when I've gone on shoots of like, you know, let's say more like fashion shoots. Yeah, when um, they've got a mood board. Mood board mm. and they, they want a certain thing. Mm. I would never be like, okay, can you, like, obviously you have to do that sometimes. But, but I would always be talking with a model and I, we would just become, you know, laughing and then just like cool one second bam yeah I think that's uh, that's uh, you know a really a real big talent especially for a photographer I think it's quite easy on film you know um to make a movement make something look beautiful but obviously because it's moving and it's it's a moving image photography is that one moment and that's exactly. it and I think you know making the person on the other end feel really comfortable and you know relatable um is is really important and actually even doing podcasts, it's kind of like even worse than photography because, you know, you're talking to the person and, and there's that connection there and, you know, the flu fluid conversation and sure. making that person feel comfortable <clears throat> and open is, is exactly the same as taking a picture. But I guess you have something to hold on to when you've captured that moment, whereas this is, you know, yeah, definitely you can edit the audio, but you're... You're, we're in this moment together right now. There is a bubble around me and you. Of course. And, and yeah, you, you have to have people awareness. Yeah. And, and, you know, capturing such a, it sounds like such a cliche, but like really capturing that moment, yeah. capturing also that emotion that that person has. And I think, you know, when I was kind of going through that phase of like developing, um, myself as a, as a photographer, like one of the, the best feedback I got from people was just like, you really captured my emotion mm. in that, that picture. Mm. Like I look at that and I, I, I transport myself back to that place. Mm. And, and for me, that was exactly what I wanted to do. And so when I got that feedback, I was like, I feel like I'm on the right path in that sense. What, what do you think it is that you do? I know this is maybe a bit of a lateral, lateral question, but what is it that you do that makes someone feel really comfortable? If some, someone's listening, that's a photographer like me, <laughs> that's not a professional in, in any sense, but definitely struggles maybe to take pictures of people, like holding my hands up here. Um, what advice would you give if you could give two or, or three pieces of advice to someone wanting to take more pictures of people? How would you bring that emotion out? Is it you ask them a question, you ask them what they have for breakfast, you know, you sit them down, you make them feel more comfortable, you read a person. Obviously, I've said it before in many different in the in the episodes of this podcast before, but Apple teach you how to read people and how to understand people and how to understand a customer's needs straight away. Mm -hmm. There's massive feedback culture and and that's definitely been drilled into me since I started at 17. <laughs> um you know, kind of what, what is it that you do? Do you know? Um, it's really, it's not thinking about taking the photo. Okay. It's not thinking about what you're there to do. It's purely about communicating with that person, understanding their emotions, understanding. It's almost like 
just forget about if you're if you're there to take a photo forget about that you have a camera in your bag uh for a little while mm. leave that till the end just get get to know that person and that person when they're looking at you through that lens it's just going to be they're they're just going to be some they're going to be much more honest uh, yeah, in their looks mm. um and sometimes it's it's just it's it's these little things that that um that you think maybe are insignificant but actually it's that what makes the photo is that person just looking at you just thinking like i we just had a really great conversation mm. um i feel really comfortable here mm. and the way they look at you is going to be very different if you just came in and went like cool awesome all right can you just uh do this and this and this I guess it's going it, to be a different look i guess it would be exactly what they wanted their look to be right whereas you're yeah. kind of like tailoring the look to however you want but it, 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 i guess because i have been on the other end of the camera like i have been a model in many different scenarios in my life so far and I don't know if I would find it a little bit strange someone coming in and just talking to me about my day rather than telling me where to stand and how to pose and take the picture that that those are the kind of the only experiences bar probably the most recent one where I was really good friends with the photographer Beth um she made me feel really really comfortable but yeah kind of it's interesting that that's your advice to get to forget that you are a photographer and just to speak to the person yeah i mean that that's i think that's my number one piece of advice wow. it's it's and i think it stems from always trying to do things in a completely different way i i'm sure people probably do that in in that way but it was always like i always used to see photographers doing it in that way and i was like all right let me flip it mm. let me do different. it in a completely different way yeah no and i respect almost, that i would i would be taking photos that's why on, on on a lot of shoots i would just take a couple of pictures and people like would get really stressed and it's like oh, whoa, whoa did, you know, do you have everything? Do you, do you capture everything? And I'm like, it's cool. Mm -hmm. I've, I've done what I need to do. Um, you know, and, and that is also the reason why I love film photography so much as well, because, you know, with, with digital, you end up just taking a million pictures. And you can see it right there. And you can see it right there. Yeah, and, yeah. and then and so you, end up look at, you end up looking at the actual uh, screen mm. more than you're actually looking at the person. Yeah. You're kind of looking at the screen. You're like, cool, cool. And that you're disengaging from from that person and mm. from their emotion as well mm. but when you're with a film camera you're you, you don't know what how it's going to turn out but you're you're just looking in their eyes and you'll be like cool uh let stay me there. This. <laughs> stay there um don't move don't, yeah <laughs> or move if you or want move, it. yeah. Um, no absolutely but, but it's it's uh it would it, i think with anything in life just however people are doing it just flip it nice because everyone's doing it in the same way yeah well I, I guess it's that's really cool that you said that because actually this podcast channel is a, a very new project to me and and it's such a special one that I'm actually sometimes overthinking it and you know being like oh god you know I was I'm sharing some stories as the person I'm interviewing sharing stories and it's like it's a fluid conversation it's not me just Absolutely, interviewing yeah. And all I've heard really on podcasts that I've listened to is the host interviewing guests and you don't hear much about them and you don't even hear really about them speaking and sharing their personal stories. And I always try to, you know, make the other person open up as much as possible, but I also train myself to open up as much as possible and think about stories and memories that could relate to whatever they were talking about. Exactly. Um, but also that's again, flipping it on its head because all I've heard really as an interviewer interviewing and you, 
again, you don't really hear about them. And I want it to be such an open platform yep. that, the, that the person maybe not haven't even listened to episode one and two, they're just listening to this one, mm-hmm. would still gauge and understand me as a person. And so that's me flipping it on its head. And yeah, and, it's amazing. It's amazing advice. And that's, that's the best way to, the best way to do it. And, and, and even the kind of the way you're doing this podcast where you're, you know, sharing things about yourself. Mm. Um, it's just like, even when you, when you're friends with someone, like when you get to that next stage of a relationship, um, or when you want to feel really connected and deeply connected to someone, it's a two way street. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Even if someone's sharing a lot with you, uh, and you're just listening, unless you share with them, you're, you're never going to, you're as friends, you're never really going to understand, uh, understand each other so deeply. Mm. Um, and then you kind of get to that kind of next stage. And mm. it's just even like with a kind of photography and, and stuff like that, unless I maybe understand this person's emotions, like in a, in a deeper way, um, you know, it's just going to be a normal shoot. Mm. And for me, like, it's like for me it's just no if it's going to be the same mm. or if it's if it's just going to be such a kind of an obvious shoot then it's it's actually no point yeah it's not worth doing it's just it. not worth doing yeah, it no i feel you i hear you um, is, is there any photographers out there or videographers that you've researched from the past or dead or still alive that inspired you or inspire you to this day i mean there are you know that there are kind of lots of amazing uh photographers that I could kind of just name and then, you know, some people may know them, some people don't. But for me, the most, like, I'd say inspiring photographer is, is, you know, the person who got me into photography, like my friend Miria. Like, I would just sometimes see her photos that she posted on Facebook. And then I would just be like, oh, my God, like, that's amazing. I need to go and shoot more. Mm. And and um, sometimes people can can try and look for the most famous person or, you know, this, like you know, the, the most established person in the industry. But actually sometimes like the most inspiring people are the people right next to you. Mm. Um, and and I, I, I truly believe that. No, I, I, I think I actually truly believe that as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of, again, why I wanted to do this podcast. I was so <laughs> sick of having such beautiful conversations with so many amazing friends and not being able to share it with the world and just share it with my, myself. I felt quite selfish to absorb all this information and not share it with anyone. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes we're always trying and, you know, look further afield mm. when actually like really it's just, it's, it's on our doorstep. It's, it's some of the people that, um, you know, maybe aren't, aren't, uh, displaying their artwork in, in the biggest gallery in, in, in the world. But, but actually, you know, it's what really inspires you to actually leave the house and mm. do what you're going to do. Mm. And, and in most of them, people are like the people that you speak to on a daily basis yeah, your friends, uh, or the people you see photos of on, on, you know, social media and things like that. Mm. So, so, um, uh, sometimes bring it back to basics or uh, is is uh kind of reeling yourself in from from this notion that you you know you need to aspire to to, to people that have loads of money have loads of money and designer and, uh, yeah and spe- <laughs> yeah. especially when you come to like creative things like you know the art world it's a lot of it's based on money and a lot of it's, it's based on hype and and i've seen a lot of photographers that are really really famous uh, that people love and people talk about and i'm like doesn't 
really inspire me. It's mm. like, it's cool. But I've also seen some, a lot of my friends do some, you know, things that are better, but mm. maybe they don't have the, the, the name or the, you know, contacts. the recognition that the mm. contacts or recognition that they, that they deserve. So, mm. so yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big believer of, of, of that really, that it's, it's sometimes it's, 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 it's right next to you and, and, um, you don't need to look that, f- that far afield. um bringing it back to berlin um obviously you you know you lived in london and how many how how long did you live in back in london for when you left sheffield obviously i've i knew you at apple for like what four or five years i um when i came back from poland i lived uh, i must have been how long was it um it was a good six years six years years, okay and then you you know, lived in the hospital, guardian, photographer, Apple, creative, cool, partying, music, DJ, whatever you kind of, however you can <laughs> encompass your London experience. And then you decided to come to Berlin. You've sure. been here for, you know, um, a nice handful uh, of time. And um, kind of what's going on here? What what do you see yourself doing or what are you doing here? And um, um, I mean, you know, even- what inspired you to come? <laughs> I mean, even, even sort of, there were, there was lots of things that kind of made me like inspired me to come, but I guess, you know, the first, I came to Berlin, maybe, um, I think it was like three, four times. Um, once with me. Once with you. <laughs> an amazing, amazing weekend. It was. And, um, and to be completely honest, like them, the time the, before I moved here, the, the only thing I was doing when I was coming to Berlin was pretty much going straight to Berkheim. Right. And, and for, um, pe- for people listening that don't know what Bergheim is, could you explain it for me? <laughs> oh my God, no way. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. It's one of the most famous techno clubs in the world. It is, but it's, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's an amazing club. It's an experience. It's definitely an experience. Yeah. yeah. It's an amazing club, especially when you go there. When I went there for the first time, I was like, well, what is this place? Yeah. I just wasn't used to that kind of space. Caliber uh, of people. people. Yeah music like i wasn't even to i wasn't even in into techno at that time i was i was kind of i guess tech house like because yeah. at that time in london like most most places would just be playing some like you know typical like i don't know tech tech house or electronic r and B garage <laughs> that too that too <laughs> um and then almost like when i came back from the the, the first time i went to burkhan i came back and i was i was going out every single weekend to like different places and i was literally like i don't even want to go out anymore like genuinely, this I was, was like, when you were back in London. When I was back in London, yeah. yeah. And I was like, this is the first time I came back from Mel's. I, I don't even want to go out. Mm. Don't, don't care. Because um, of the, the the most amazing experience you'd had. It was it was one of the most ex- amazing experiences. Um, no, I mean, I'm but, I'm fucking lucky. It was one of the first kind of techno rave experiences I had as a 19 year old. Wow, it was yeah, absolutely amazing. And and even Stefan and some of my friends to this day are like, I cannot believe that your first kind of techno night out was in Bergheim. Do you like? Who are you? Like, yeah, <laughs> who are you? Um, but yeah, you know, have many many friends to thank for that, and obviously. Uh, yeah, getting into kind of rave culture and, and techno and electronic music when I was about 18 in London. That's kind of a little bit unheard of as well. Stefan, again, keep referring to him. But um, yeah, he, he went to Ibiza and listened to, I can't remember, he's going to kill me, but a specific DJ, tech tech kind of tech house um, and fell in love with it there. And everyone's got their own story. Absolutely. Um, I, you know, I keep going back, back and forward, but kind of what, sorry, what got you in, into tech music? Was there kind of like... 
in this creative realm of, of being a cool film photographer with someone <laughs> playing techno in the background of a photo shoot or something. I don't know, how did you get, how did you get into that? Um, and then we'll come back to Bergheim. <laughs> yeah, I guess, um, I just got to this kind of point, even when I was working at Apple and I was just like, I need to experience, like, I've always wanted to know about like the, the, the kind of club culture, yeah. party scene, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Like, mm-hmm. I, I just always knew I wanted to know what was going on at like three in the morning, like, um, in London. I just, I just had that feeling that I need to know. Yeah. I guess you were in a good location as well, being on Tottenham Court Road in the hospital. Well, actually this was before, this is when I lived, uh, in also when I was a guardian, like yeah. I was living in this kind of flat. Uh, also it had a rooftop that overlooked uh, London pretty much and wow. it, was, it was Southwark so it's around the corner from Waterloo but yeah, like yeah. Sub- Southwark tube station pretty wow. much across the road yeah and I had some friends living also on like the um, the second floor and then and then we just started kind of going out together partying together mm-hmm. um, and at that time it was literally just you know you're looking at resident advisor like okay what's on today yeah, where should we go where should we go and then <laughs> then I then almost like the 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 person that I was you know buying off um, I'd always go and meet him to go and buy it. And he was like, then he would be in like this amazing uh, house party or like club or whatever. And I'll be like, fuck, okay, I need to stay here. Yeah. Everyone just come here. Yeah. Um, so it kind of just, I guess it kind of spiraled. Uh, it's kind of spiraled from from that. So and it kind of, it stemmed in London then? Definitely, yeah, definitely okay. stemmed in London. And it definitely stemmed from this kind of, this just longing to to know what else is out there yeah that's that's the kind of main thing cool um and then then i kind of went through this period of you know going out loads in london just to every different type of party whether it's everything from amazing house parties to clubs to to whatever kind of underground illegal raves underground illegal raves (laughs) warehouse parties you know the the lot Mm -hmm. really great and but then you know when i came to berlin and i went to berkheim for the first time i was literally like okay this is the next level. This is like just something I've never experienced before. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it wasn't, you know, it was, it, I came here three, four times all, all the time, you know, to go to Berkheim, have, you know, the most amazing night. And then- With friends, did you have friends already here? Yes, yeah, yeah. I had like, um, had a really good friend that was living here who I ended up uh, living with for the first like 10 months that I was here. Mm-hmm. And it's probably because of her that, you know, I was able to, um, to kind of move here as well because mm. sometimes it can be a bit daunting uh, but I could already you know live in a flat and and you know everything was sorted already mm. and you know just had to basically pay like half the rent but mm. in sorting everything else out that you usually have to sort out like I didn't have to do that so mm. no you were very lucky because a few of our friends also that we share in common from Apple moved from London to Berlin and didn't know anyone yeah and kind of that struggle of like coming to a city just wanting a change you know being a DJ or whatever uh, just you know, or just coming for a different way of life. Like if you know no one, yeah, you need to really pick yourself up and start from scratch and put yourself out there. And I think I'd really struggle, you know, if you said to me, just go to Beijing for a year, <laughs> I'd be like, what? <laughs> like, where, what What even do I do? I do? And who do I, where do I go and who do I speak to? And I think, yeah, that you were really lucky to have someone to kind of come to. Yeah. Or, I, you know, even before then, when I was, you know, coming uh, here, Apart from that time where we we came together, like yeah. all the other times, I was mm. going to see, I was going to stay with her. Right. Okay. So you already had a base, and yeah. and um, well, I mean, uh, this is my ninth time here. Can you believe that? It's Nine crazy. times. Obviously, the first few times I was coming to see Matt, and we didn't go out really, and it was just kind of like exploring a city that I'd never been to. Yeah. 
And then, yeah, f- third time was with you, Mishka and Ben. And then fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, here we are. Ninth fucking time. It's crazy. Yeah. Like I might as well just move here. Um, <laughs> but the more times I come, the more special it is for sure. And that trip with you and, and Ben and Mish was like really, really memorable. Cause I'd never a been away with a, a bunch of friends. B, you know, never had kind of like gone out and in a different, in a foreign country, I'd gone yeah. out in London and hadn't even really gone out really because there was no freshers or student night that I wanted to go to. I was quite selective. I'd say I got into it at a fairly young age, but I was quite selective with where I went and, and who sure. I went with. And so, yeah, my first Burkhan experience was absolutely a beautiful I will, I will still remember it when I'm 80 hundred <laughs> me too it was definitely I definitely wish I had special. a I wish I had a film camera I wish you could take pictures in there because god there were so many beautiful <laughs> moments that I would have loved to have captured that are just stuck in my head but I guess that's the beauty of you know not being either in, on film or, or in digital you just remember these things absolutely and I, I think that's kind of you know I think what you I think what a lot of people learn in Berlin is is you know, especially when you're in London and, and everyone has their phone out all the time, whether yeah. it's taking photos or on Insta and stuff like that. And and you can just see it, like even when you're in a, 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 a rave a or tube. a party or God. a tube or yeah. anywhere you go, like everyone's just glued to their phones. Yeah. And it was, you know, Berlin when you like... Uh, people just don't even look at their phones. Well, they, 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 they are forced not to. They're, you know? Yeah, they're forced like, not to. Like you put bloody tape on your camera. Like, that's yeah. good. I wish I wish we could just do that. And, and at first, you know, London. being a photographer, I was like, oh, but I want to capture this moment. It was because, you know, even when we're going out in London, I always take photos and stuff like that. But actually then not having that opportunity, it puts you in a completely different place. Mm. Um, and and I, uh, I first of all, oh, no, but you can't take, but then I, I started loving literally loving the fact that people weren't on their phones mm. you end up enjoying the moment the yeah, music talk to, the, to talk to people mm. and that's also in berlin like you know there's been so many times where i've just gone out by myself and just met people or i've known maybe a few people at that place but you know in london i would never even consider going out by myself Interesting. Um, it just wouldn't happen. Like, a, lot of, it, a lot of my friends go to the cinema by themselves, but I, I guess that's, yeah, but it's kind of different. I mean, I wouldn't go out on my own. Yeah, I know you're yeah, right. Because in, in London, even when you like start speaking to someone like at a party, like it's always, they, people always analyze like in the same way of like, you know, who are you? What do you do? What do you do? Mm-hmm. Or like, or, you know, their group of friends be like, what, who's this kind of new person in this group? And mm-hmm. it's kind of very much you know, group based where mm. everyone's in their groups, they go out of their group, they leave with it at the same time. Um, uh, and, you know, that's, that's one of the things that I really kind of, I, I love about Berlin is that like most people, especially in a club, like they're just by themselves or like there, there's no, there's not that kind of group culture in, in that sense. No, I'd actually um, definitely agree. Even the party I went to on uh, Friday night, it was just full of really amazing people that actually only knew, you know, didn't know the actual person of the party it was very yeah. like oh I know this person and this person that, or I'm with this person that's also a friend of this person yeah you definitely find that in London but I guess it's more like if you're not invited or you don't know the person that's hosting then don't even bother coming yeah but it's, it's, it's different when you kind of like go to clubs in London because mm. then it's very much just like well who is this random person speaking to me like what yeah. do you want yeah it's almost yeah. like the what first question is like well what does this person want yeah you want my and number it's usually, yeah it's usually like <laughs> like oh this, are they chatting me up mm. and stuff like that mm. whereas in in berlin it's, it's almost like flipped in that in that uh in that in that that way which mm. you know is 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 what i love but so you came a few times and obviously going out was a big part of that yeah was there any other reason why you've decided to live in berlin now 
I mean, you know, there, there was kind of like, like a lot of things that were, were going in, on in London that, you know, I'm not going to go into, but like it was, it just felt like the right time. Okay. It felt like the right time and, and the right city. Was the, yeah, the right city. And I'd, I'd gone there a couple of times. I, I, I felt like I just needed to meet new people. That was my main thing. And, and when I went to Berlin, I met so many amazing people, yeah. uh, even from just going out, uh, that I was like, that was enough of a clarification to yeah. come. Yeah. No, fair enough. And, okay. and it's like, you know, I need to, I need to go to a, a city where it's, it's, it's easy to meet yeah. people and, and, and the, the, the quality of life is, is different, whether you have, you know, a big room to yourself mm. or, or whether I think things are just more free and open, even in the sense of, you know, <clears throat> feeling quite feminine when I was kind of growing up and, and, you know, in, in London, especially towards the end, I was like, I was like, fuck it. You know, I'm going to wear a skirt because I love skirts. But in, but like, I remember, I never forget, like in London before I actually decided to move here, I was just like, fuck it. You know, I'm going to do what I feel like I'm, I, I want to do. And mm -hmm. I was just wearing a skirt, went to a party and people were just like, this, this person was just like, but why are you wearing a skirt? What kind of skirt was it? Sorry. It was just like a black skirt. Right. Okay. Long. Yeah. Long yeah. black skirt. Okay. But you know, could have Nothing been trousers. Crazy. Nothing crazy. <laughs> yeah, not a no. leopard print mini. No, 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 no. I hadn't gone that far yet. <laughs> okay. I hadn't gone that far yet. I Maybe tonight. <laughs> um, but it, it was just like, it was that kind of question of like, but why are you wearing it in terms of like, and in, in my head I was thinking like, but why not? Mm. And I just tried to explain it to the person. Yeah, but I just kind of quite like it. Uh, so I remember that moment. And I remember when I came to Berlin and, and, and I, you know, started going out like mainly to Berkheim every weekend. And I was just wearing like these dresses or skirts because I just felt good in them. Mm -hmm. I just liked them. Mm -hmm. And then, and then, you know, you'd have people coming up to you being like, oh my God, I love your skirt. Where did you get it from? So that, that yeah, was- The complete difference. The complete difference. Mm. You know, someone going, but why are you wearing it? Like explain yourself to, oh my God, where did you get it from? I love it. And, and that was like guys, girls, everyone. Mm -hmm. So, and I never forget when I was wearing this kind of really long black dress and there was this proper lad, which sometimes happens in, in Burkine and in the toilet. And I would never forget when he looked at me, he was like, oh my God, I love your dress. Like, where did you get it from? And it, this guy was, you know, tight t-shirt looked like, you know, he could be at the front row in Ibiza kind of, kind of guy. Um, big up to the mandem in Ibiza. Yeah, big up to the mandem. <laughs> you see ten. Yeah. Yes, that's why I'm going for my birthday. Anyway. <laughs> but when I saw his look on his yeah. face, and I was like, "Wow, okay, so there's some change here." If, if he was in London, he probably would have never said that, or potentially maybe never, never even thought that. But maybe he's in this kind of club and energy, and and he just feels like he can. If anything, maybe he's the one that's not normal. If anything, do you know what I mean? Maybe, or yeah. maybe he just has this, you know, he uh, has this yearning for other things other or things, that yeah. he's suppressed mm. because, in, you know, in London, mm. you need to be like a certain way, or mm. especially if you're a guy, you have to suppress your emotions, do this and that. And maybe this kind of like opened him up a little bit. And that's happened on quite a, few, a number of occasions where, you wow. know, like, let's say proper kind of macho, macho guys will just come up to me and, and, and ask where I got certain things from that mm. were like super, super feminine, that mm. probably that, that wouldn't that never happen in London. Mm. So I definitely think it's, it's getting better and, and, you know, it's being, it's being recognized more, uh, you know, gender equality and, and men wanting to be women or women wanting to, you know, have a more senior job in, in, in where they work. And, you know, definitely even at Apple, there were a few people going through gender change and really, it, yeah, like, 
I won't wow. name names, but there are a yeah, few yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, and even at uni, like, you know, a lot of the textiles um, girls and guys, um, you know, were not happy in themselves. And, and even kind of like on programs that I'm watching on TV, like X Factor and Britain's Got Talent and, you know, the voice, there, there are these people, these, these guys that are like, yeah, you know, my facetto is amazing because actually I was born a girl. Wow. And even on live, you know, live TV and yeah, national yeah, yeah. TV, this is the kind of norm. And, you know, I'm sure he won't mind, but my colleague Bertie at Tala the other week w uh, walked into work in, in a skirt. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And, and he I was, was like, thinking that, like, yeah. And, yeah. and, and he's, and I said, Oh my God, Bert, you look fucking amazing, mate. And it was like a, it was like a beige wrap around skirt. It was fairly long and he was wearing desert boots and he had a shirt on. Perfect. And, um, he was like, yeah, I just made a bet with my friend that, um, yeah, you know, we, we were going to come to work in skirts tomorrow just because why not? Why not? Absolutely. And I literally was like, yes, queen, this is amazing. But, you know, um, it, it's, it's just, it's, it's just because it's okay to ex express yourself. And I definitely think London is a city where you can do that. Like it's definitely not, um, in my eyes anyway, clouded or, or kind of judgy. There are definitely maybe a handful more people that are slightly less educated or less open-minded and, and, and kind of judgy um, compared to Berlin, for sure. Mm. Uh, maybe that's why you've gravitated here. But yeah, having having grown up and, and being accepted for who I am and all my friends, you know, I've, I've kind of never experienced any hate or kind of like aggressive tone to anything that's going on around me I have so many gay friends um but but see I I feel like there is there is a really long long way to go okay because um I I do think that sometimes when you know all your friends are thinking in that kind of same way um I I think in my personal opinion like guys have a harder time in terms of like going in on a different path mm. because even when I was like living in Poland like I realized that like if a girl wears something crazy or something like out of the ordinary people just like ah oh, she's just so crazy mm. if a guy wore something like like a skirt or a dress people were like he's a freak mm. he's like he's gay he's this he's that mm. um uh, so in in that sense like um it's kind of normal for, for girls to kind of experiment with different ways, or, uh, different clothing and, and, and different things. Whereas it's, it's not normal for, for guys to mm, do that. No, no, I'd Unless agree. you're, you know, and, and even with, you know, uh, even with like gay guys, you know, they, they can sometimes struggle um, or they have struggled for, 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 you know, a long, long time to, to even be, to, to, to be accepted in, in wearing certain things and doing certain things mm. outside of the norm. Mm. Um, so, uh, and you feel that that's more, um, you know, that's less suppressed here in Berlin. You kind of, yeah, okay. they're definitely kind of less suppressed or there's kind of less questions asked, but also again, it's, it's just a really long way to go, like in, in the whole world, okay. in, especially in, even in London and stuff yep. like that, because it really depends like where you're going, yep. like, uh, which clubs you're going to and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, what, you, what career you want to go in? what career you want to go in but even from from that side of wearing what you want to wear mm. like you know there are certain places in London you can wear whatever you want to wear but there are a lot of places that you can't no absolutely um, yeah. so so we really have like a long long way to go mm. um uh, to, to 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 have to, to be in that position where people are just like not even analyzing beyond they're like oh that's cool mm. 
Uh, just that, you know, that superficial, like, oh, that's really nice what you're wearing. Mm. Because, you know, everyone loves to generalize and everyone loves to put you in a box. And, and I, th I think in London, what I don't like is that people on the face of it might be more accepting, but they always put you in certain boxes at yeah. certain times. Yeah. Uh, they love to generalize yeah not as much as say in america but they 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 really do mm. so you're doing this so you must be this you're mm. doing this you mm. must be that you're wearing that so you're wearing that so you're you're this yeah. you're, you're wearing this you're definitely gay like yeah. all this kind of stuff so yeah. it's 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 people love to to kind of do that and then and people do that here as well like maybe not if you're going out to certain clubs and and sometimes you can be kind of blindsided by that but you know then you know there are certain places in berlin like i, I would kind of tone myself down mm. um so so yeah it's it's we've got a really really long way to go and i think it's going to be a, a, definitely a, a few more generations before it gets to that point of of true acceptance regardless of who you are or what your um or what you're wearing or who you want to be who you want to be <laughs> um is there is there any advice you'd give to anyone boy girl that kind of want to wear something that maybe they might be a little bit ashamed or embarrassed or not not really know what to do in a sense of wanting to wear that or be that that's quite a deep question but yeah i mean you know the the easy answer that a lot of people might gravitate or, or that that might say in this kind of uh, to to answer your question would would be do whatever you love wear whatever you want but that's not reality like i grew up with with extremely um conservative parents and that just wasn't an option to wear what you want do what you want be because that would have created way too much tension that that i just wouldn't have been able to handle um the way I've always done it is I've always adapt, like being adaptable is the most important thing in life. Mm. I mean, even when you were playing football, right? Yeah. Adapt, adapt yeah. to those guys adapt. coming at you with the ball, run. Exactly. All these kind of proper lads. <laughs> Annoy them because yeah. you're so good <laughs> and you don't look like a typical footballer. Fuck you. Yeah, exactly. With my like blonde, uh, long, blonde hair. long hair with yeah. an Alice band. Um, but then because David Beckham was doing it at that time, then it okay. was kind of like, kind of acceptable shout out david beckham shout out david beckham for sure <laughs> um yeah. but i i like the way i've always done it it's just been i've adapted myself to to different different places and different situations like even when i go to poland like i will or if i go home to see my parents i'll wear something different to how i do to burkine and like, yeah and i think that's really important just to to understand what place you're going to mm. um and like i said it's, it's easy for people to say yeah but fuck them people mm. like this is me this is me like mm. they have to accept me and yeah you can do that if you want to um it really depends if you're if you want that confrontation or not if mm. you want to be put in your in, in the box and and i'm i prefer like to to have no confrontation mm. if, that, if i'm going home my parents don't don't uh like certain things i'm wearing no problem mm. they're older they, they, they. We have to understand that people have grown up with different, uh, with different things like different uh, experiences, and 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 at a certain time, you're kind of, you're kind of, kind of set in your ways, and there's no point trying to change these people, trying to force something upon them. Mm. And, and I, I think that's you know, with with that, that's just kind of how I approach it. I be adaptable. Be adaptable, absolutely. Mm. And there's there's always a place for everyone. Um, in the city well especially when we're talking about like berlin and london there's always a place for who whatever kind of person you are whatever you like to do so um 
experience that, find them places, find the people that you like that really understand you. Um, and then always be adaptable to know that like, you know, if you need to go outside of your circle of friends or you need to go to certain places where, you know, you can't wear or do certain things and do you know what you can, yeah, you can power through it and just go fuck it. Or you can just, you know, have no confrontation and, and, and just adapt yourself to that situation at that time. Mm. doesn't mean to say you're selling out. It just means that you're going through life, trying to understand that the people that you're going to see at this certain place or it's no point trying to change their mind mm. because it's, it, it isn't. Mm. And that's what I've learned. It's mm. people are setting their, a lot of people are setting their ways and it's no point trying to run around, uh, trying to kind of force a certain mentality or mm. a certain way of life on, on, on them kind of thing. So, so just find environments and find people that you can trust and, and adapt to and, absolutely. and your confidence and your need and want to be who you want to be will just shine through you've put it in the, the most perfect way. <laughs> and then when you have that base of people that truly understand you and love you, then what's the point of fighting, uh, you know, to try and change a, a six year old person's mind mm. that, that it's the right way to go. Mm. It's just, it, there, there isn't, you've got what you wanted. You've found the people that you love. You found a place that you love to dance in, um, and wear whatever you want. And then, you know, that's, it's, that's that's kind of that's why I came to Berlin. That's what I found. That's kind of what I experienced, and and um, and you know that's why I always love Berlin for that. Mm. Are you really happy here? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I I really wouldn't. It's the the city has has my the the kind of flow that I always uh, and the kind of energy that I always kind of wanted to experience. Mm. Where it's the kind of community feel. Where it's. Um, uh, the nightlife, whether it's, you know, things not being set at certain times like it is in London. Um, yeah, there, there are so many, so many elements and, and, and things I love about Berlin, but. Um, I mean, it's definitely a, a special city to me. And I think only now having come on my own, um, you know, I've really realized that actually I really love this city. And in the past, it's been quite harrowing at times, obviously with the weather and being ill and, and you know, maybe friends not being free or like a party not being on that I wanted to or a DJ not being, you know, cancelling a set or whatever. There's always been kind of like disappointing times and For this sure. time's been so uplifting and, and fulfilling and it's exactly what I needed to do. And even to just sit here in the hospital and talk to you about life and, and God, you've taught me so many so much um <laughs> in these last few hours and um yeah anyone that hasn't been to berlin i would definitely definitely recommend and, and anyone that wants to wear a, a dress or play football or look like david beckham do it <laughs> um but the, the main thing i take away from this is just to get to know your people and to trust your people Absolutely. And, and and if you don't feel comfortable that, with your the people that you're around if you feel like you need to break out mm, like i have done on many occasions mm, then have that strength i can, i think so that's one of my main takeaways in life in general is like to always to never be scared about trying to break out even if you're in a if you feel like you're in a comfortable position or if you feel like there's something more that you want to discover you know there are always going to be people that tell you not to do it there are always going to be people that um, try and convince you not to and it's like just follow your gut 
if something's not right in your life, if something, if, if there's something you want to see, and sometimes you don't even know what you want to see. Sometimes you don't even, you don't even know sometimes until you experience it of like, oh my God, actually, this is exactly what I wanted. But if you don't go looking for that, if you don't have that in you, that you just like need something different, then, um, then I think you're never going to feel fulfilled in life. You're never going to be happy. Mm. Um, so, um, always look for that that's something different, that's something more, that one step more. Um, and if, like I've done most of my life, if people are doing things a certain way, do things a different way. And yeah, that's my, that's my main takeaway. <laughs> I think that's the end. I so. But I mean, um, as tradition for every podcast, I kind of do a few quick fire questions, oh, okay. which is quite fun. But uh -oh. actually, um, the my two beautiful guests before you haven't been able to answer the questions without speaking about their answers so there is a rule from now on on untold creations that the mm -hmm. fire quick questions have to be fire and have to be quick and have to be one worded okay so we need to do this in about this 20 seconds and this also is off the cuff by the way i haven't written these down by the way this was all off the cuff i had no i didn't un, i didn't know what questions were going to be asked i didn't know this is just a little disclaimer for everyone so this is <laughs> following the same footsteps this is away. a this is a conversation for sure um okay let me just get a few vodka or gin vodka i'm polish <laughs> <laughs> black or blue blue techno or folk <laughs> i'm a little bit drunk so techno <laughs> um, smashed actually <laughs> um berlin or london oh yeah berlin but i love you london don't uh, allow me <laughs> salt or pepper salt definitely himalayan pink salt spread all that Jeez. shit <laughs> sci-fi or thriller Uh, tough one again. Um, let's say thriller. Okay. Um, kissing or hugs? If you confuse both of them together, then both. <laughs> that's 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 a trick question. Like I love but I love kissing and hugging. <laughs> I love hugging. Hugging's great. Um, I love both. <laughs> Daniel, thank you so 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 much for featuring on Untold Creations with me. It's been absolutely beautiful and such an amazing experience for me. Um, what a way to end my trip in Berlin. Um, I came here for a long weekend to see two beautiful, beautiful friends of mine. And it's been really, really enlightening and uh, just giving me the headspace that I needed away from London. Um, if you wanna reach out to Dan, you may be able to get hold of him on Instagram. His Instagram handle is at tough one. It's <clears throat> at Martinelli, but then there's five eyes. Um, God, you make it so difficult. I do make it so difficult. I made it a long time ago. So it's <laughs> like, it's almost like when, if you were saying Martinelli with okay. loads of like eyes. So it's like five eyes on the end. M-A-R. M-A-R-T-I-N-E-L-L-I. -L -L 
amazing um again guys thank you so 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 much for listening um and i'm pretty sure you've taken something away from this miraculous conversation off the cuff conversation with me and dan but yeah babe thank you so much it's been so so special and you are such a special person to me we didn't really talk about our friendship much or apple or or kind of you know the the times and the stories we shared but i'm sure we'll be able to do that at a later date i'm sure this won't be the last time that you feature on untold creations (laughs) (laughs) again um again yeah like and subscribe to this channel and um definitely let you know let me know what you think um in the comment below dm or reach out on any of my social media networks at izzy rider um okay well i love you let's make another vodka lemonade that sounds perfect amazing thank you so much (laughs) thank you i love you too bye